What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Halftime Snacks podcast. This show features short interviews that you can listen during the halftime of your favorite sports events. Every Tuesday, I host fun conversations with talented people in the sports industry, where we'll learn from their stories, knowledge, and experiences. So go grab your favorite snack and come snack with us. Are you ready? Let's go. This episode features a fantastic tech leader with over 18 years of experience leading solutions through engineering and technology. She first worked at HP Enterprise and then innovated in sports by delivering unique experiences to sports fans. She's the CEO and co-founder of NVenue, a software that uses machine learning and artificial intelligence to provide real-time predictions and analytics to every outcome of a play to supplement broadcasts, games, and sports betting. She's literally changing the way we watch and experience sports. And I'm so excited to host her here today on the Halftime Snacks. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce Kelly Pract. Kelly, welcome to the Halftime Snacks. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me here. This is really exciting. Yeah, it's exciting for me as well. Um, before we get into the whole discussions and topics that I prepared for you, I do want to open this conversation with an icebreaker to get you to speak a little bit, to share more. Um, so here's the one that I prepared for you. Let's say, let's suppose that NVenue would become the main uniform sponsor of any team in the world. What team would you choose and, and why? Oh my goodness. My chief of product thinks of nothing but uniforms day in and day out. He would love to drive uniforms across the world. So I will, I will not do him service um, by telling you that I would just love to, to take my home team, which is the Astros. That's the Houston <laughs> Astros. That's, that's what I'm all about. So Maybe share a little bit more with us. When and where did you find your, your passion for the Astros, for sports, and of course for, for technology? Because you have a very interesting background in HPA uh, Enterprises that is, is quite unique. So maybe share with us your passion for sports. Where was that, where was that born? And also for technology. You know, uh, I grew up in, in West Texas. Uh, where sports was everything. And furthermore, uh, not only did I play sports and my family played sports, but my dad was a coach. And that means everything. That means by the time I was 10, I'd been to more football, baseball, and basketball games than most people will in their entire life. Um, so I had this appreciation for sports. It was family to me. It was connection. It's just what we did. Um, now, my career in sports ended early, like all of ours mostly does. Uh, I played, I played one year college basketball, but my real sport was tennis is what I played uh, in high school um, competitively. Um, but, you know, I, I ended up going to engineering school and technology became my passion. And I applied all that same competitiveness and drive into being one of the best tech leaders that I possibly could. And so for almost 20 years, I, I led tech at HP. Um, and and I, I used so many of those same principles that you do as an athlete into, you know, winning in tech. And I, I had a blast, but I always wanted to tie sports 
and tech together in some way. And it became clear to me that technologists don't often speak sports. And as we were starting to invent more in the world of IoT and data was more available and uh, here comes you know 5G and great, great capabilities on the internet, I was not seeing a lot of innovation in the sports space. And I just became on fire to, to start innovating in that field. And it happened for me when I was in a machine learning conference with my team where uh, teams, we were uh, delivering supercomputers to, you know, the, to the world to do things like predict global weather patterns and um, simulate the nuclear stockpile. And I just had this vision of what if we could take all of the sports data and do a lot of similar things and apply it so that fans can enjoy it more. And started, that was back in 2017, uh, started writing code that night. And here we are today. Um, and, you know, the big news for us today is we uh, announced our partnership with MLB Network and we've put our content on Apple TV uh, and you'll see us every Friday night for the season. That's fascinating. I, be, I, I maybe want to like take a step back and talk a little bit more around your experience with HP uh, Enterprises, which you spent most of your career at and uh, a big portion of your time uh, there. Uh, which I do think that it's it's important uh, for what Nvenue became and of course will become. So maybe maybe talk a little bit more about the specific knowledge that you acquired there, the the types of tasks that you undertook or the types of roles that you had uh, that set you up maybe to be able to lead a team, a startup. Which of course maybe you also want to talk about the differences of being in a startup and being in a big company like like HP. Um, but what exactly was the experience of being in HP that you kind of like you you take as 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 some of the biggest lessons that are helping you win in N venue today? Yeah, very good question. Uh, so over over my course of career, uh, my course of my career at HP, I got the opportunity to to be a part of a number of different groups and make a lot of different things. I feel like I always got pointed into the thing that was more startup-y, if you will, than some of the traditional things that we developed. So it was, you know, go develop a server with this processor or go develop, um, you know, the first uh, of its kind and software defined servers, always servers or or computers, of course, or go make uh, the world's first ARM supercomputer. So I was always doing things that were very startup in nature, although it was, you know, of course, uh, built within, you know, the the conglomerate that was HP. But but it, it meant that I had to go and find funding for my projects. It meant I had to build a team from scratch. It meant I needed to convince customers and partners uh, to be a part of what we were doing. And quite honestly, that is all so inherent in what, what we do as a startup. So I feel like all over the years, it was training me for these moments. That's interesting. And I'm, I'm very curious also to ask you, like, if the switch between being a, a full-time employee at HP and then, you know, dropping that, uh, which... You know, my grandparents would say you were crazy for dropping, you know, a great job at HP to then opening up your own startup. I guess that you had to have some very good reasons to to why you were doing it. Of course, I, I, I guess you're married. So uh, maybe maybe you had to explain this to your husband or maybe to your family. Like how how exactly what were, what were some of the reasons or maybe instead of reasons, let's think about like indicators. What were some of like three or four indicators that you saw through Nvenue or that you start seeing 
through different metrics that convinced you absolutely that that was the right step and that was what you needed to do and that it was time to actually leave HP and become a full-time uh, entrepreneur? It certainly was hard, right? Giving up on a, a career and going into this uh, roller coaster of startup life was not easy. And yeah, and yes, I am married. I've been married for uh, 32 years now. So uh, he and I are our real team. Rob and I are a great team. Uh, and and this was uh, even my career and these decisions um, have always been a, a, a joint uh, thing that we do together. So you know, we we sat down uh, after we'd had the code, and it was clear that this was needed and not done in the space. Um, it looked like uh, we had the right team; it was the right time. And you know, we looked at each other and said, "This is the time to go for it." It's like, what have we got to lose? Like, you know, let's just go for it. I think we would. Uh, I think I would have regretted it if I didn't try. And he saw that, and I saw that, and. And that's what led me to it. And it was uh, it was an easy decision. Um, but, you know, really seeing that this wasn't being done, uh, that this was something special um, and that just the time was right. Like with the, the repeal of PAPSA from the Supreme Court, you know, like uh, sports betting was going to become a thing. It's just all of the um, stars lined up for for me and for Invenue. Well, you say it's an easy decision, but I do think that it takes a lot of courage and a lot of like, um, you know, because especially because there's a lot of uncertainty. You don't really know if this is going to work or not, but I guess that your experiences and your knowledge and maybe the network that you've been building as well throughout your, your, the years on HP and everywhere else, like the, the type of people that you start meeting gave you enough confidence to make it feel as an easy decision, right? Maybe for people out there that are trying to become entrepreneurs or something, this could be like a great lesson, right? On like, it could look from the outside like something crazy, but it's not as crazy as if you already like assess the risk and you already know what your your product is about and you know the value and you also see like tendencies and like you're very pre prepared in terms of like what you know the market needs um and i do want to like maybe discuss a little bit m more around like how did you know that the market needed this like did you approach uh the mlb or did you approach someone specific show them the product and they were super excited and like that confirmed your concept and like the idea and the product in mind or was it more like a something that w was through like progress of, of talking to different people and maybe different investors like how exactly did that uh conclusion came to your mind where you were like okay this is it, it, it we have something here like wh what was that process like It, it was a process and that was, it was actually a long process. So I had been studying, so I'm a, a sports fan myself, uh, uh, go to a lot of games. Um, I, I know sports. I, I know what it's like to be a fan. I'm a social fan. And um, I, once I realized that something needed to be done, which was, you know, quite honestly, before 2017 um, in the, in the realm of fan engagement, you know, I, for several years, I watched fans at Minute Maid Park at every game that I went to. I watched how we, we'd go to a, a sports bar or we'd go to a restaurant and the game was on. And I watched how everybody engaged with the with the, the game, how they did, what they did on their phone. And I just it was like my own uh, internal research. And what I saw was the mainstream uh, folks that you would think would be really aggressive on understanding fans seemed to not get it. And so my research was years long and it was a personal type of research. Uh, there, there were maybe a few uh, 
market studies done, but nothing that said what I knew to be true as a fan. And so it wasn't happening. Uh, true fan engagement um, through smart data uh, was not happening. Um, and that's that's really all I needed to see. Uh, and that's that's there wasn't any more. I, I wish I wish there had been a, a market study that said, hey, Kelly, you should really do this. <laughs> but quite honestly, if there had been, um, then I would be late to the game. And right. so this one was based on um, gut and intuition. But I, I do appreciate that. I, I don't want to make any of this seem easier right. than than it it was. And quite often when people comment on our successes, um, especially people that I'm close to, they say, oh, it looks like you're doing great. You guys are crushing it. And I, I want them to know that with every wonderful success we had and have had, um, there's a thousand, maybe 10,000 no's and setbacks right. that, that we uh, have to go through. So never want to make it seem easy. Uh, and I, I regret using that word because <laughs> it takes a lot of grit and determination. And, you know, we even had to live differently, right? Like moving from a salary to no salary for three years. Like that's, uh, you know, we were blessed to be able to do that, but it was not trivial. Yeah, and 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 I want to maybe ask you around the the convincing process because sometimes, enough, especially as entrepreneurs, it's is a challenge to when you see like there's a gap in the market or there's a specific need. But people people like like live their lives and they think, or I mean, I I mean people, but it can be also like companies, companies that don't innovate or don't change or don't look for new solutions. They live because they think like they're fine, you know, they're 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 not including a specific AI or machine learning tool that in, in increases fan engagement, but they're fine with that because they don't know, right? So there's a process of awareness, of educating the people that need this. How was that process like? Did you find it super challenging or did you find a lot of resistance there? Or do you think that people like got it immediately once you like show them like the data and, and the, the results? Like how, how, how challenging was that? So you're speaking past tense. It's not past tense. We're, <laughs> we're currently doing this. Um, people do not know what what they really want. A lot of people do not. Um, so we're still so very early in this. So um, we watched, uh, I mentioned we were on Apple TV last week and, and we were watching the Twitter response to this new broadcast. And one of the, the tweets said uh, they were very, it was very critical of Apple Um And it was it was so critical. And it said, I can't believe you, Apple TV, you're, you're ruining things for me. I've been watching baseball for 45 years and nothing's ever changed. How, you're, how dare you do this? And um, that says it all right. We're watching sports that hasn't had innovation in 45 years. Like grasp that for a minute. Like, <laughs> holy cow. So. Uh, there were a lot of very positive tweets. I don't want to focus on just that negative one. There was a lot like, holy cow, that was great probabilities down on the right. Give me more. So the, the point that I'm trying to make is um, we're so early on showing people what they can really see and know and how they can interact. And people are so passionate about sports and how they consume sports that it's a it's an incredible journey. And my mission over the next 18 months is to show the world uh show the United States, like show everybody watching sports, what, what they can really have um, and how innovation is going to bring that to them. So it's, it's what we're working on right now. Right. I want to maybe switch the conversation a little bit more into like product and the technology that you guys developed. And 
my first question and the th first thing that came to mind, I saw that video that you mentioned on, on Twitter that you guys shared uh, where the statistics changed live, which was uh, actually fascinating. But, you know, listening from you, that feedback was kind of like mixed in some ways, good in ones, but in, in others, probably not so great. Um, do you think there's like a product persona for, for this specific product? Do you think or this solution? Do you think that this is for is maybe not for everyone? or every fan eventually is going to get it and everyone is going to enjoy it. Like, what are your thoughts around who you're targeting as a product persona for this specific solution? Well, I think one of the biggest mistakes in the sports industry is that they've limited who they're trying to reach. Uh, the low hanging fruit in sports is, you know, one small piece of the demographic. It's, you know, it's usually male. It's usually 18 to 35, you know, like actually, right. uh, It depends. That's for betting. But for, for just watching, <laughs> for just sports fans themselves, it's usually white males in their 50s, you know, like and and the whole business has been targeting what that demographic wants. Um, it's not modern. It's not it's not new. So when you ask me, like, who should we target and will everybody understand what I want is I want somebody that doesn't know the sport to be able to to watch it and not feel overwhelmed and not feel like what, you know, and. And if you can start to engage them and tell them a little bit about what they're seeing, like, for example, um, so a probability comes up on the screen. Okay, it's a 10% chance that this guy strikes out and it's uh, like, you know, it's half what the MLB typically does. It can give somebody uh, that's not some sports inclined something to talk about. And by the way, if you give mm. them a chance to interact, that's a, a more social and fun way, like, You look at who's watching sports, you've got a, a group of people, a Super Bowl party, say, not everybody that's watching that Super Bowl is like, you know, a fantasy football player right. that's super active and making bets. It's usually moms like me <laughs> and their kids and, and we're all watching. And can you imagine a world where we could all engage kind of at the same level? Not, not a stupid level. It still needs to be smart for the sport. It people want to engage it's unifying and that's i i believe our tech is one of the things that will make sports more accessible and understandable to people i do not want to uh, use it to exclude people that will only get only get it if you know they just like stats and numbers one of the things that i saw that you guys talk a lot in your features and the things that you guys do well is the speed at which you guys can update statistics, analyze data and come up with specific probabilities on real time, which I think is absolutely amazing. Um, but I wonder, like for you specifically and personally, what was some of like what was something that impressed you the most? And I and and here's where I want to like maybe touch a little bit more on like how technology is so powerful, right? Um, technology gives you leverage to do things at speeds that no human or maybe no group of humans would be able to achieve un under the same conditions during the same time or at a specific um, accuracy. So, but what was what was the moment for you and, and, and specifically with NVENUE in sports that you were like, okay, like this is like, this is crazy. Like this is amazing. Like the, the power or, or, or the leverage that technology can, can give you um, through, through, through like doing things that humans wouldn't be able to do what was the moment for you or what what was what has been the moment for the clients or the people that you show them the product that impresses them the most i mean i'm more interested in your your take on where do you mm -hmm. think is like you guys are just 
a million miles ahead of like competition, for instance. I love it. There, there's one area that we're just crushing it and it impresses people every time we talk about it. And that's that we can, the speed is amazing. And I love to talk about the speed and how we've applied supercompute principles to, to make things really fast. Um, I love talking about machine learning. That's, that's always fun, especially data science geeks love and baseball geeks love, love that too. But the results are what just astounds me every time I see them. Like, and I, I've used this example before, but I'll, I'll share it with you. Like uh, the, the leadoff batter of the World Series last year was Jorge Soler. And um, he was uh, <laughs> he was from the Braves and he hit a home run against my um, hometown Astros. Uh, first leadoff home run in the World Series ever, I believe. Um, and we're sitting there watching it and you know, his, the, our odds were saying, okay, first pitch, the odds of a home run is like 2%. We didn't expect a home run. And then, then the, the next pitch, the odds of a home run were 3%, no big deal. Um, the third pitch, the odds of a home run jumped up to 19%. And it's like, and then, and then he hit the home run. And oh, wow. it's not that, it's not that we're predicting the future. That's, that's not what I'm saying. It's that we can find these weird things in data that, tell us some insights that something exciting might be about to happen. Um, that happens over and over again. And every time I see that, I, I just get excited. Like, like it doesn't always happen. You know, I, I'm, I'm happy with our accuracy numbers. I mean, <laughs> sports, sports is sports that sometimes, you know, like you see a home run and it shouldn't have happened. And then you look and, and, you're like, I just saw a great moment. So for me, that's like the beauty of machine learning is being able to find these gems in the data. And every time I share one of those stories with our, our clients, with the MLB, with, um, oh my goodness, with, with sportsbook operators, you know, everybody gets really excited because it's so much more than a number. And and it's it's brilliant. And, and part of our tech is we can tell people why. We can say, it was because, and in the case of Jorge Soler, it was because uh, Framber Valdez had been giving up uh, home runs like gangbusters over the last, you know, previous games, uh, and and our tech picked it up on it, and it's like, that's just cool. Like, it's just cool. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fascinating. I mean, and and maybe tying that up with uh, the evolution of sports analytics, which is something I've wrote about in the past that we really went from just capturing and monitoring performance in a way to efficiently process like massive amount of data and predict right now we're able to maybe predict or have more accuracy on how performance is going to look like or what are some of the like the different odds uh which i do think it's is absolutely fascinating and that's something humans wouldn't be able to do uh on my opinion without without computers and without like this 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 processing power that you mentioned through supercomputers uh, maybe switching now to the weaknesses or the vulnerabilities of this product what do you think is like kind of like the biggest threat for nvenue in the future and of course now the biggest threat uh goodness um Well, I, I love that you asked that. I'm trying to think of what that threat is. I think in the industry, there's there's always a, a threat of cheating or whatnot, but we're so fast that as long as um, there's, you know, we're so fast that you could bet in stadium. So that's that's one of the concerns that our, our clients have. Um, 
golly, I, you know, I, I, I don't mean to be uh, arrogant and say that I don't see massive threats. I see mostly opportunity, you know, um, I see the opportunity of, you know, this industry is going to need billions of microbets um, soon. Uh, now, as a technologist um, and having lived and breathed technology for so long, I would say that one of the, the threats kind of for all of us as uh, the, the very few of us, and there'll be more, um, trying to deliver these um, microbets and these betting in-game moments, uh, I think that we're going to need to standardize. Uh, I think that's the best answer for operators is that we start to come up with some type of consortium where we standardize. Um, I, I think that's the right answer. I don't see it as a threat. I see it as an opportunity, but I um, love to love to see the industry start to align there. Yeah, that's uh, that's something to think about. And what I'm also like thinking about is how how exactly does this product grow? Are you thinking about expanding to different sports? Are you thinking about making it the most optimal product for for baseball specifically or you want to like go step by step like first figure out baseball then we'll figure it out on other sports then we'll figure it out on, on, on other uh, areas like what are your thoughts in terms of like strategic yeah. growth for n venue so i love baseball so i always use baseball as my examples it's kind of our our home home field uh, if you would but no, we've already developed our NFL product um, and have been uh, demoing that uh, and hope to have that live here in this next season. We're working on NBA right now. Um, that follows with NCAA football and basketball. Uh, we're very excited about golf and tennis and what we can add into that. And gosh, uh, hockey Hockey's coming as well. And the requests for sports are faster than we can develop. So we're we're getting all of our processes and ducks in a row so we can continue to develop. One of the biggest requests I've had is for cricket. Um, it's cricket has you know, a bigger audience than any of these. Like, so uh, the, the limitation you asked about threat earlier, I don't see it's not a threat, but maybe a limitation is in order to do live uh, interactive bets, we just need live data from the field and companies like sport radar and genius are, are handling that right now. So we would love to see growth in that area because the more info we get from the field, the more we can help fans engage. Um, that's our limitation. Okay. So this, this is a question that I, I came up with um, just right now. And I'm very curious if you actually thought about this, which I do think it's actually a fascinating question, but do you think that the full potential as a business for NVenue was through actually selling this service for broadcasters, uh, sports betting providers, etc., or would have would would have that been a better business to use it as a better way of using it to bet on things that the machine knows or the machine is able to predict on a higher probability if if something's going to happen? I, you you see what I'm trying to say was. Was that a thought that you had? Was that a question that you had? Was this better if I use it as a as a tool that I can use to bit the system or bit the, the betting odds or something? Or was was this always like the focus on building it as a business to actually um, to actually serve fan engagement and then earn from that? Do you do you see what I'm? Do you, is, yeah. Does it make sense? <laughs> no, it makes great sense. Um, and we had this conversation. I would say almost every day. It's like. Um, so, so the real truth is, uh, when I first started this, it was, you know, the real thinking was I wanted fans to be able to compete and play along. 
So really and truly that that bedding flare was always there. We did not know that we would uh, be a part of it so quickly. So we thought maybe free to play. Mm. Um, uh, and, and we actually built an app so that people could play and engage uh, during that 2019 World Series um, uh, in the playoffs, actually. And we got a lot of great feedback on how people could play. We became masters of the timing. Uh, that it takes in order to take a a bet or a pick with every single pitch. Um, and that was very instrumental to our business to being ready for sport betting, which is where we're at now. Um, but the truth is, is betting is fan engagement and that's where we're headed. So it's all colliding. Um, the day where you used to make a bet and then watch to see if it happened, that day is just fastly becoming, quickly becoming bet and watch at the same time. So there's this, this collision of media and betting that's about to happen. And to me, that's just music to my ears because that's, that's engagement. And I'm excited about that. So we, we skate on those, those lines every day. Is it, is it betting? Is it engagement? And I say both. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, and lastly, my last question before, before we wrap it up, um, you guys raised a, uh, a, a seat round, Uh, successfully raised uh, 3.5 million just in February, uh, led by uh, KB Partners, which, you know, Keith Banks, shout out, friend of the show, he's been here, um, and he, he uh, you guys raised for, with, with, with them. Um, what is now, like, what what's coming up next for this uh, one year? What's a one-year vision? And, of course, the three-year vision for, for N-Venue. Like, are you thinking about other uh, fundraise? Are you thinking about opening new offices? Are you thinking about product? Are you thinking about R&D? What, what is your focus as of now for the next one and three years? Great question. And uh, I always have to give shout out to um, KB Partners as well as Corezone Capital because, wow, to have somebody of, of that you know, renown as uh, Keith Bank and, and team, as well as uh, Sam Yegan from Corazon, to have those kind of people believe in you, it really gives you the firepower to go and build dreams, right? So uh, so we, we met with them last week, our very first board meeting, which was a blast and really lined up on, on these, you know, one year, three year type of goals. And the, the real goal for InVenue is we want to be the premier provider of in-game engagement and betting. And Our goal is to, to own the space. Uh, so what do we have to do to get there? We're also very realistic about where we're at. You know, we raised a seed round and we're growing the company. So that's our, our very big vision and our very uh, North Star that we keep an eye on. But for this phase, um, we have a challenge. We need to uh, you know, establish ourselves in this space with media partners and with sports betting partners. We need to advance the... Uh, world of micro bets uh, and the knowledge of people. And we need to build a healthy company, which means grow the team. So this year, those three things were my focus. And, you know, we're well along our way in all three areas. Uh, we're growing, we're making the name of micro bets and in-game play uh, more in your face and more understood uh, in all areas. And, and we're starting to land some key partners that I'm super excited about. Yeah, well, I'm also excited. Uh, you you are able to share that excitement, so that's why I'm so excited right now about Nvidia as well. Um, Kelly, before before we wrap it up, I always ask a personal question to the people that I interview to get to know them a little bit more personally. The one I have for you is very simple. Who are your heroes, Kelly? Who do you who do you think 
as someone you admire heroes one two or three that you want to maybe share with us oh my goodness heroes i have <sighs> my dad was one of my heroes i mean that's a a simple and easy answer he uh he never took no for an answer he just went out and did things some people saw it as impulsive but He wanted to get out of, uh, he grew up in a very poor situation in the coal mine area of Kentucky, and he built a life. He took chances. He, he decided he wanted to be a coach, and he went and got a college education. He decided he wanted to do, be in the oil business, and he went and did it. And that, that's just, that the reason he's my hero is because he taught me how to take chances and how to not be afraid. And that's, um, that's just my, my number one hero. I just, very much for tuning in if you enjoyed this episode hit the subscribe button and leave a review on apple podcasts if you enjoy learning about the business and technology behind sports make sure you subscribe to the sports tech biz newsletter i'll leave the link in the show notes see you all next week bye bye